Welcome to episode 383 of the AMPM podcast. This week, my guests are Wayne and Daniel from Bali, Indonesia. You know, a lot of people are out there talking about switching their sourcing from China and looking at alternatives to save on the Trump tariff, uh, looking at Vietnam, maybe India, Mexico, Turkey. There, there's lots of places and there's lots of good choices, but one that's often overlooked is Indonesia. Some of the best natural resources out there, and you can get some really good distinguished and unique items out of Indonesia. And Daniel and Wayne have a company that's really greasing the wheels and making it super simple for you to do that. We're going to be talking about the opportunities and how they can help you out in this episode. Enjoy this episode with Wayne and Daniel from Bali. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Wayne Thompson and Daniel Carlin, welcome to the AMPM podcast all the way from the other side of the world in Bali, Indonesia. How are you guys doing? Oh, man, it's good. It's good here. Nice to see you, Kevin. How are you? I'm good, good. How are you doing, Daniel? All good here. Yeah, look, uh, looking forward to this. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be good. I think uh, we're going to open a few eyes to to a few things uh, in, in this show, and uh, maybe give some people uh, uh, some alternative ways to think about what the, what they're doing. But before we get into that, I have I have to mention, uh, you know, it's been a, you guys are both in Bali, right? Correct. Yes, we are. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, Bali is one of those destinations that everybody has on their bucket list. It seems like. And now you guys are just living the dream, sitting there and sitting there in Bali. How long have you, how long have you been in Bali? <laughs> well, I've been here a long time, actually. So this is year nine. Um, and I've built a couple of e-com brands from Bali over the years. Um, and so it really is living the dream, hanging out with my wife, building businesses in a nice villa by the beach. It's, uh, it's awesome. Hey, what, what about you, Wayne? Yeah, for me, it's uh, about five and a half years now. But what if I tell you my feet haven't touched the sand, the sand in the past Two years, man. It's just you know I, I drink the coconuts, but um, you know, and I and I see the beautiful scenery here. But man, I need to get off to the beach too. Dan is a surfer, so he get it in once in a while. What's it like actually living there? Is it just overrun with tourists, um, or is it uh, you know th there's a local vibe where you expats uh, can uh, just hang amongst each other? It's an interesting place. We debate it constantly here in the family about you know is bali the right place long term and we've already by the way built a house in the mountains and are building our home so we're very much put down roots here um but yeah it's look we live just just outside the the main tourism area uh which is changu it's right it's called it's the hotspot right now uh, and there's three big centers so you've got the changu area you've got ubud which is more sort of in the in the sort of midlands and then you have the uluwatu bukit peninsula which is a surfing mecca spot and all three a lot of tourism for sure and like you said a lot of uh, a lot of expats but living amongst it um you tend to sort of just carve out your own little communities you know so you kind of you know we stick to a pretty local place we've got the places that we go we move around the way the way we do 
Um, and then we try and integrate, you know, with the local community as well, Balinese particularly, yeah. I know I was there in 2008, so it's probably changed in the 15, 16 years since I was there quite a bit. But I remember I, I stayed in Ubud, right on a resort, right on a rice paddies. And I remember going around and I just remember the, the handcrafts, the, just the amazing quality of like, I don't know if they still exist, but there's these little villages everywhere. And you just pull in. I had a little local guy and he'd take me, okay, this village, it's like a gated little like uh, square almost. And you go in and everybody in there is doing woodworking. They're doing some sort of carving, like elaborate carving. And you go to another one, it's all painting. And there's all these painter uh, artists on the side of the road selling paintings. And all. does all that still exist in Bali, all that handicraft? Uh, some of it's aimed at tourists, but... It's just junk, but some of it's actually really high-end quality stuff. Oh, man, yeah, it's still here. I mean, Bali has shifted a little bit because uh, there's some construction that has came in, uh, come in over the last couple of years. So some of those uh, little places got kind of pushed further in uh, outwards. Nonetheless, they do exist, man. And um, actually, we're finding that you, you'll, you'll see better quality stuff, even and even more people participating, coming from the villages that's outer inwards with their product, you know, at certain designated locations to actually sell their goods to, to locals and to internationals. So a lot of people, when they think of Indonesia, uh, they don't even know, first of all, that Bali is actually in Indonesia. They think it's some island like Tahiti or Hawaii yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of, what's Indonesia, like 3,000 islands or something like some crazy number like that? Um, Actually, 17,000 islands. That's right. Yeah, I was way off. Seven, I know it's uh, way in the thousands. 17,000 islands. Bali's just one of them. But what about, so the handcrafts on Bali are really amazing. But that kind of goes for the whole country too, right? There, there's a really subculture there of just like master craftsmen doing all kinds of cool stuff. Am, am I am I right? Yeah. The, the thing that's worth pointing out too, Kevin, is like, you know, uh, Indonesia is not new to exporting overseas. This has been going on for decades. It's just, uh, it's just the way it's being done is different to what we're used to with an Alibaba or whatever else. Um, you know, it's still done via trade shows and, and these types of things and sourcing agents and middlemen. This is kind of how it's been done up until this point. Um, but all over Indonesia, like especially in some of the bigger places like Java, uh, Sumatra, that, you know, these are huge populations and there's tons of stuff being made. Like, you know, everything from, you know, like you said, handicrafts, furniture, sustainable products, fabrics there's you know it's it's endless there's so much here yeah in indonesia it's it's not i mean there's some you know poverty and stuff just like there is anywhere else but it's not necessarily this backwards place i mean jakarta is one of the biggest cities in the world and there it's sinking so they're actually building what a new capital i think right now is, if i recall 200 what 270 to 300 million people it's it's almost the size of the united states and there's actually a thriving like e-commerce and social media uh, community there it's like one of the what fourth fifth sixth something like that largest e-commerce fourth fourth in the world uh, yeah. you know, or something like that right it, there's a lot going on yes yeah, it's, it's actually the fourth uh populous country in the world with about 200 and, and i think about 277 million people uh so yeah quite big indeed and actually when it comes to commerce um they've been lurking in the background for a while, 60% adaptation before COVID and about 
90 uh, percent now um, after COVID. So they're growing, growing quite rapidly in that space. In fact, Bain Capital and, and, and Google just did their annual e-com, economy C2023 um, study and put that out. And Indonesia was rated like number one for, and the number one space was e-commerce. So um, it's really a hot market right now. And as, as Dan yeah, right, right, number one for like growth potential and opportunity. Yes, mean? yes, yes, exactly. And as Dan says, there's a wealth of, you know, for instance, raw material. When you talk about um, oils and, and, and uh, um, incense and um, essential oils and stuff like that, a lot of things that the world is not really, has not really, you know, explore just yet, but it's, we're here on the ground. So we see it, we know it. Hey, what's up everybody? Kevin King here. You know, one of the number one questions I get is how can you connect to me? How can I, Kevin, get some advice or speak with you or, or learn more from you? The best way is with Helium 10 Elite. If you go to h10.me forward slash elite, you can get all the information and sign up for Helium 10 Elite every month. I lead tra advanced training where I do seven ninja hacks. We also have uh, live masterminds and uh, every single week. One of those weeks, I jump on for a couple hours and we, we talk shop, we talk business, do in-person events. Helium 10 Elite is where you want to be. It's only $99 extra on your Helium 10 membership. It's h10h10.me.me forward slash elite. Go check it out, and I hope to see you there. We'll talk about what you guys are up to in just a second, but just to get a little context, what's Wayne? What's your background? I think you came from the ice cream world or something. You had you built another tech company or something like that. What What's your? Uh, uh, you went from scooping, uh, scooping uh, ice dairy to scooping money or something. What? What? what, 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 what was it? Yeah, well, let's just say I, I dibble and I double. I'm, I'm truly adventurous, man, and and I think for me. I, I don't go around looking for problems to solve, but somehow problems find me. And, you know, I think I have that muscle and I've developed that muscle over time that I'm able to lean into that. And so, you know, um, I, I have a degree in computer science and economics and, um, you know, it doesn't serve me well that much now. The networking was cool. But, you know, being here on the ground in Indonesia it, it was just a wealth of knowledge I've learned since we start working on our project that we'll explain later. But, um, yeah, Dibble and Dabble in ice cream, um, Cold Stone Creamery franchise, the first to bring it to New York State. Um, and then after that, sold out and then went to Atlanta where I bought a paving company. And so I went from extreme cold to extreme hot. So you can think walking into a blast freezer, a uh, uh, walk-in freezer, and then end up standing out in the sun, um, you know, with my team of about 109 guys at, at its peak. And then, you know, got in uh, 2010. And so we had to fold it because of the whole Lehman Brothers and stuff like that. And then entered the, the computer space, the um, and then did uh, something in that and then left that and then just kind of came to Indonesia, man, to put my feet in the sand and um, drink some coconuts. And here we are. I haven't done yes, that. Without even going to the beach, so no feet in the sand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, That's what happens when you try to build a new company, right? You, you don't have time to put your feet in the sand. Exactly. Unless, exactly. unless you're like Daniel and you live on the beach, then he has no no, ex, no excuse. So Daniel, you're, you're from uh, from down under, right? From Oz originally? 
Yeah, born and bred in uh, Sydney, Australia. Uh, was there all the way through until uh, – well, I did a lot of travel actually. So I started my 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 after school – after I finished school, I kind of uh, worked in the film industry actually as a sound guy. So I'm a sound engineer by trade. Did that through my 20s and then late 20s ended up in uh, – did a stint as a personal trainer. I was living around Bondi Beach, which is kind of the, the bubble. I guess it's equivalent yeah. of the California yeah. beachside kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I was in corporate speaking and I had a, I had a corporate health company where we went in and we did health checks and organizations and then we had a clinic network attached to that. And so it was very much more of a very corporate style gig going into the city in a suit every day. Um, and then about that time I met my girlfriend at the time, um, who was from Norway. She moved down to Australia and within a couple of years, we both just decided we just didn't want to be there anymore. I'd had enough of the company I was in. Monica didn't really like Bondi. So um, we actually got a, a, a webinar invite in our inbox, which said, learn how to make a million bucks on Amazon. And I, I watched this webinar and you know how it goes. And this was back in 2014. They talked about it and they had a, they had a course. And by the, end of the, by the end of the webinar, I had my credit card out and I bought the course um, Monica had a corporate job. I still had my other business and we ended up, um, uh, splitting the tasks of, of what we need to do. So she was focused on product and suppliers and I was doing the keyword research and the list building and all the sort of, uh, logistics and other stuff. So yeah, we, uh, we launched our first, um, product in late 2014 and it was a water filtration product. So it was kind of like a pitcher with a, with a filter in it. And, uh, it, it really took off actually. Like, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people at that time, you know, it was still pretty early days compared to now. And so it was pretty easy to launch products and, and get ranked pretty quickly and start making some good, some good money. And so only uh, three months after we, three or four months after we launched that first product, uh, we decided to move over here to Bali. And our plan was to be nomadic and be here for a while and then other parts of the world and travel around. But the business just took off and we said, well, let's just, let's just stay here for a year. And then here we are eight years later. And so ended up building that business up and we sold it at the start of 21 uh, to one of the aggregators in the States. Um, and so, yeah, from there, um, I took a couple of years off, been building houses and just hanging out with the family. I've got a young son now, the girlfriend's now the wife, uh, Monica, and she's the one who built, built the whole thing with me. And then um, started getting bored and thinking, okay, I'm ready for something new. And I got introduced to Wayne. And uh, when I sat down and Wayne told me what he was doing, you know, I got so excited. It was like, wow, this is just an awesome opportunity. So um, I've joined forces with Wayne and, and completely uh, committed to the vision, you know, of what we're doing here. And that vision is uh, Biomia, right? Biomia.com, it is. Is. B-U-Y-A-M-I-A.com. Mm-hmm. And so what you guys are doing is basically, uh, for lack of a better, just to make it simple, it's, it's a little bit different than this, but it's basically the Alibaba of Indonesia in a, in a way uh, with, a, with a, a kind of a unique twist and stuff on it. Uh, is that, would that be fair to say? That's correct, man. So next time you don't have to travel here to get your big door, your statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that takes part of the fun out of it, you know? Miami will take care of it for you. But yeah, Miami is the name. And uh, for who, for those who want to know, it's, it's, it's more a play on buy. A is like the first letter and Mia means mine. So it's pretty much buy one of mine. But on the marketing front, it's, we, you know, we can put a twist where it's buy a lamp, buy a table, buy some this, buy some comfort, always buy a Mia. And the goal is, as you said, to simplify it. It's 
something like the Alibaba with a concierge touch, top heavy on sustainability and just really doubling down on co great customer service, allow you to source the best of Indonesia. We curate the best across the entire country and kind of put it together um, on the platform and allow people now to have an alternative to Alibaba. Um, you know, from raw materials, of course, we started with home decor products, furniture products, beauty and care. And as Dan mentioned, Indonesia is well known for fabrics all around the globe. But pretty much anything that you need from Indonesia, man, we got you covered. We're trying to make it aesthetically pleasing, but seamless to use. And so that's what Bayamia is. So it's a little bit different, though, like an Alibaba. I would go to Alibaba and I would... I would type in, uh, I don't know, a water filtration system and up would come all these uh, manufacturers that make these. And then Alibaba just makes the connection. They're basically just they're just a, a middleman, a broker. And if I want to use them for uh, escrow services or for inspections or they have they offer some other services. But pretty much it's up to me from that point forward to deal with that supplier, negotiate the price, organize the shipping the whole nine yards. But like you said, yours is more of a concierge service because of language issues and and some other things, basically, if I come into you, I, uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but I'm not going to be buying a water filtration thing probably because that's probably not what Indonesia is best known for. But I'm going to be buying, I don't know, some, some, uh, some charcoal uh, things to take the smell out of my shoes, uh, to drop in my shoes or whatever to take the smell out. I would come to you and say, I'm looking for this. And you would, how does the process work? Do you say, okay, what, what, are, what are you looking for? How many units? What, what's your price target? what's your quality target, all this kind of stuff. And then you go out and you have, I know you said there's like 30 plus thousand uh, guys, on, uh, I don't know if it's products or suppliers that are in, in, on the website and you say, okay, here's the six that match and you get me some samples. And then uh, I, if I like the samples, uh, I choose, choose somebody and you kind of orchestrate and hold my hand the whole way along, all the way along. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's, it's, you know, we do end to end. So from start to finish, so we have about 30,000, now over 30, yeah, 30,000 products and over 1,300 suppliers. And all of that was gained over the last six months. The platform we took a while to build because we have to get it right. You know, how you do build a platform, something like this in the U.S. is quite different from how you build it here in Indonesia. You mentioned something about the language barrier, but besides that, there's the sentiment, there's the, how the people behave, tradition and, and culture. So we have to, be, we had to build technology to navigate all those complexity and nuances. But what you see now is where, you know, because of that, it forced us to do more of a concierge type uh, platform. And so the platform will do a lot of the heavy lift, but we can ship in at any given time. For instance, you log in, you find a product that you like, you add it to your basket, you submit a quote uh, for an inquiry. We send that off to the supplier. The suppliers send that back to us. That gets displayed in your buyer's portal. You also get an email alert. And then if you agree, um, with that, then, you know, you, it's off to the races, you know, you, you make your payment and, you know, the suppliers start making. But besides that, if you want to communicate, we open the channel so you can communicate directly with the supplier all the while we are there using technology to monitor the conversation in more ways than one. And then we can actually 
step in at any given time to make sure that the process is rather smooth and not a cumbersome um, process for both the buyer and the supplier. So we're, we're integrating a lot of AI now for translation. So that's going to help, um, you know, translate from any language to uh, Indonesian and then back to, you know, uh, the language of choice. Uh, so we're doing things like that to make sure that, you know, it's as seamless as a B2C. You know, I think that's what a lot of B2B sites were missing uh, with a concierge touch. So end-to-end. So we take care of all the logistic costs for you, all the QC costs, um, QC for you. Um, you know, we, we curate the best of the best and we, we do a bit of a hand-holding as much mm-hmm. as we can. How much customization can I do? Is it I can only go with what is there, or can I customize with my logo? Or if there, there's a guy that's got a, I don't know some really cool uh, hand carved door, uh, and I'm like, no, I, I don't want a Romeo and Juliet scene. I want a uh, I don't know a Disney fairy tale scene, or or whatever it may be. Can can you go out and get these guys to do that and make samples for me, uh, or is it I just got to go with like these are the products we have from our suppliers and uh, uh, choose one. Or yeah. how does that process work? Yeah, so the way that the way that works is the answer is yes. Uh, basically, we let the manufacturers and the, the artisans decide if they want to allow their products to be customizable. In most cases, the answer is yes. So, for example, rattan baskets come in lots of different types of um, colors of weave and stuff like that. So you can choose that stuff. White labeling, putting logos on and all that stuff, no problem at all. Packaging, no problem at all. We can help with all of that stuff along the way as well. Um, but when it comes to customizing something like you mentioned, like a like a handcuffed door, absolutely yes, you can you can you can customize whatever you want. It just comes down to a question of you know timeline and, and price point and all that sort of stuff. But but um, the, a lot of the handmade nature of of the products in Indonesia allows for that. Um, but then you have to be extremely rigorous with QC, which is why we do it. So sorry to jump off that track, but. QC is worth mentioning as well, and <laughs> we should talk about that. So, so it's most stuff. I mean, I know Indonesia is not good for like anything that requires a mold, you know, injection molding or any a uh, lot of electronics. That's really not what it's known for. Um, it's more the hand cra- handcrafted, handmade stuff. But is this truly handmade with guys sitting on uh, guys and gals sitting on the floor crafting this stuff, or is it said is it handmade that's made by mostly by a machine? Uh, or what? What is the what is the true type of stuff that's coming out of Indonesia? Yeah, I, I say it's a little bit of both, right? But mostly, um, you do have those individuals that is sitting on the floor, or they have a small manufacturing facility um, that they work out of. You know, some uh, a lot of women, you know, doing these paintings of these statues and the, and the guys doing the carvings and, and stuff or vice versa. Um, so you have a eclectic mix and then you have on like Java and stuff, bigger manufacturers that they do more of the, the bigger type items, but the artisans, you know, they're, they're plenty, man, all across Indonesia. 
Um, in fact, I think Bali is small potatoes to some of those bigger guys and, and, and places where they have a lot more artisans. Um, for instance, we went to the 38th annual trade show, myself and Dan and the team, and what we saw there, man, was extraordinary. They were all from all different parts of Indonesia, and you can find everything from, say, for instance, medical equipment, which you, you wouldn't think of Indonesia as that. Um, but also raw materials, for instance, charcoal and coconut briskets and, um, you know, oils and, and beauty and care products. It's, it's just a wealth of, of stuff that's here. And I think the thing is, you know, people don't know about these things. And what we are trying to do is to bring light to um, Indonesia itself, but also the fact that Indonesia have great products, man, at competitive pricing, um, and people can really have an alternative to the Alibabas of the world, especially if you sell on Amazon and Shopify, SD, and stuff like that. And because we offer end-to-end, -end, we can take care of all that stuff for them. I see it as major differentiation because right now, China is the world's factory. And so most people are going to Alibaba, Global Sources are one of those, uh, which are all great, and they're, they're finding a lot of the same stuff, or they're going to the Canton Fair or to Iwu or to some of those. It's the, it's the same old stuff. And a lot of people are now, because of the 25% extra, they call it the Trump tariff here, uh, uh, you know, there's an extra cost of goods, but Indonesia coming into the U.S. doesn't have that, so that's an instant savings right there. But then you're going to be finding stuff that's unique, that that's yep. differentiated, that's not what you're finding everywhere else. And I think that's a major... A major advantage uh and I, I don't know why a lot of people haven't really paid attention to energy. china gets all the credit and then people are like well i'm tired of china let's look at india and vietnam and you know some people here in the states are like well how about turkey or, or europe's turkey or in the states it's uh we should look at mexico central america south america because it's closer and easier but like you just said a lot of those places are great like especially like mexico and south america but the vast majority of the raw materials are still coming from the other part of the world um, so they may have the labor to put it together there, but, and they have something, you know, copper and there, there's some stuff that's in Mexico, but the vast majority of that stuff still has to come from Asia. Uh, and it, so why not just do it at the source, uh, and, and where you can get it actually probably better quality and people that it's been passed down in their lineage and their, their, mm -hmm. their families for decades or mm -hmm. for centuries actually doing this stuff. What, what are some of the challenges? challenges are there does everything need to go through for people that are listening have to go through jakarta or they're like a lot of big major ports you know like china's got crazy number of ports all over which you can go through or is it you know is it i know there's pickup in bali but does everything have to end up going to jakarta and then get rerouted out or is there direct from bali to uh the united states or from java to the united states or whatever how, how how does that work logistics from indonesia has never been a problem you do have a lot of players here on the island um, that does logistics and um also jakarta has is a big hub big port and also i forgot the other island but you know getting stuff from indonesia is not the problem at all in fact as you said it's 25 percent less um you know for the same product or similar product coming out of China. Um, so coming out of Indonesia, sorry. Uh, so yeah, so Jakarta has, I think one of the biggest ports. So some of the things get routed through there, but nonetheless, they have really good logistic infrastructure um, that can get your goods 
to anywhere in the world, frankly. Yeah. We, so, we also, on our platform, when uh, someone buy a meal, when people make an inquiry and we go to the supplier and we come back, one of the things that we do is we get some uh, some shipping quotes before the before the order or production even starts, just so the person on the other end can get a feel for what the shipping is going to be, um, and then we do a firmer quote towards the end. So we've got partners. Um, we can also advise on you know um, whether you've filled up a container or not, or whether you know what it would take to fill up the container. Maybe you need another hundred units. So we've got some some algorithmic stuff that can help sort of figure that sort of thing out. Um, and so, like, this comes back to the concierge part, like, because, for example, in the U.S., people might not know what shipping costs or might be concerned of whether they can, they can trust that or they have to figure it out for themselves. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sit in the middle as the trusted partner and really just help out both sides, the buyer and the seller, to make the transaction happen. And that, that includes things like, like shipping and then the QC side of it. Um, I mentioned before, it's huge because... Uh, you know, because of the handmade nature of a lot of stuff, um, it's not like China where you they operate like where they use like for example um, the standards that they use out there. Like they check maybe three percent, so it's a thousand units. They maybe check I don't know thirty units or something like that. Here in Indonesia, the QC standards is checking almost every piece, so it's a much it's a much more detailed and rigorous QC. And so what we do for the for the buyer is uh, the money comes to us as the platform. We give a portion of it to um, uh, to the seller to start their production and you know whatever their costs are, and then we have a couple of QC checks through the process. And each time they pass the QC, they get a bit more money. So we basically just make sure that the, the quality is really good because we don't want to have a situation where container lands in the states, someone opens it up and goes, "This isn't what I ordered," you know. So we're very very rigorous on the on the QC, and all the QC reports get uploaded into the buyer and seller platform so that both buyer and seller know exactly where we're up to our team also knows where we're up to um and so we can just manage that whole process all the way through and, so, and you guys coordinate the whole like getting samples and all that stuff before we go into production are, are so yeah so you do um so the what about quantities are, since it's a lot of handmade is it more ideal for 50 units 100 units 500 units or can some of these places do a hundred thousand units so some of these places can do up to a hundred thousand units if not more um, it's, it's all about, for instance, for example, here in the island of Bali, we wouldn't ask any of the, the artisans here to do that because there's not that capacity, uh, for factory that's here on the island. But in Java, then they do have those. And those, uh, companies have been shipping overseas for other brands anyway. And what a lot of people don't know is there's a lot of big brands that's sourced out of Indonesia. They do it. Uh, low key, um, but they source out of Indonesia anyway in large quantities. So we being here, um, Dan and myself, a, a combination of about 15 years, we know where those facilities are. We have people here on the ground and we can make sure that if you want a quantity of 100,000, you can get it. And if you want a quantity, if you're a small Amazon seller or a medium sized seller or sell on Shopify, we can facilitate your needs for half a container or for getting some stuff out to you quickly via uh, air, you know, air um, transportation. So, you know, um, we do have all that. Uh, in place. And some of it, you know, as, as a new startup, you know, we are still learning on the fly. 
But guess what? We have to prove ourselves and we want to stick around and be here for a very long time. So it's incumbent on us to do our best and to facilitate both big, large and small. So, so the way you guys work, since it's a concierge service, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm finding my charcoal, um, whatever thing I made out of charcoal. I'm saying I want 500 of them. You get me a, you get me a, you find me, a, you match me with a manufacturer. I say, this looks good. They can do what I want. Um, they send me a sample. I'm, I sign off on the sample, and then I say I need uh, a thousand units. And you say, and the price is coming back at I don't know three dollars a unit for for this thing I'm ordering. So then I send you three thousand bucks, or or how does it work in China? I pay thirty percent down and then seventy percent. But since you're basically you're paying them out, do I uh, just from a cash flow point of view? If I'm going to switch to Indonesia, do I got to pay you everything up front and then you dole it out, and so it's pretty safe? Or am I paying you in stages? Yeah. So what we're talking about here is payment terms. Um, and so basically the way that we're approaching this at this point, and like Wayne said, we're learning, we're building an airplane as we're flying it, right? So we're learning on the on the fly. But the way that as we get good feedback, actually, Kevin, people like yourself giving us some great feedback, um, you know, we're doing uh, kind of like a tiered approach to that because when you're brand new, so someone's coming from, and this was even the same on Alibaba when I was sourcing through Alibaba, when you're coming through, to a factory for the first time. And if you're going to buy like, let's say it's 50 or hundred units, generally then yes, it's up front, hundred percent up front. Yeah. But of course, as you get bigger and you build trust with us as a platform and also as the, the seller builds trust with the buyer directly, then payment terms can get offered. So we're, we're going to put some, we already have put some standardized kind of um, payment terms together that as you hit different thresholds. So for example, you know, once you get to orders of twenty thousand US dollars or more, it's only fifty percent down, then twenty five percent before shipping, and twenty five percent on arrival or something like that. And then we have various stages. So the higher, obviously, the more the value of the order is, the better to payment terms we can give. We're also um, we're also working on uh, financing options. So some of when you have a look at like an alley like trade assurance. So that's maybe not the best example. Some of these other players out there like Fair. Um, you know, these guys basically can offer invoice financing um, on the buy side, but also the sell side. Um, factoring, yeah. yeah, yeah, factoring. Yeah, so we're working on that now through uh, our payment gateway that we're using. They they have a, a, a product that allows that. So we're just working on getting the scale we need to then qualify for those programs, so we can then extend those to our buyers and sellers. So yeah, our job, you know, is to just. Whatever we've got to do to figure out how to support both sides is is what we're what we're up, what we're about. So your fees, I saw, I saw in uh, some of your literature, are about twenty five to thirty percent or so of. So if, if in this example where I'm buying a thousand uh, units of this charcoal for three dollars a piece, that's a three thousand dollars. Since it's a small order, I'm going to probably just have to send you the whole three thousand because it's pretty pretty small, which I should be able to do. And then on top of that, you're charging a ten percent commission. And then like, a, I think a sourcing, uh, one-time sourcing fee of like 10%. And then I think it goes down to 5% on subsequent orders. And then there's uh, something for handling the logistics. Like, was it, I think it was 8% and something, a little fee for the quality control. So all that added up is like 25 to 30%. So instead of three grand, I'm sending you uh, 3,800 bucks or something um, for this. And so I just factor that into my, but that's going to be my landed, or, or actually, on top of that's the shipping. So whatever the shipping is, so let's say the shipping's a thousand bucks, just for argument's sake. So forty eight hundred bucks. So my landing cost is 
plus maybe a little bit of duties coming from Indonesia, call it $5 a unit um, or something like that. Is that basically the whole, the, in a general summary, how it works? The easiest way to break it down without, there, there are a few pieces like that, but the easiest way is we take 20% on the transaction. So basically whatever you're buying it for, there's a 20% on, on top. Um, we mark up the product at the start from the, from the uh, seller and then there's a 10%, but it basically works out to be 20%. Um, and then shipping, if we do the shipping for you, you don't have to use so us. You said you mark it up from the seller, so this is the price you get from the supplier, you bump that up a little bit, and then you add another 10% on, on top of that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's 10% at the start. What you see is what you see has already got 10% on it, and then we charge 10% on the transaction. So basically, it's sort of okay. shared between the buyer and seller, but it's 20% from the very original price of the product. Um, and that's on every order or just the first order and it goes down on subsequent orders or is that yeah, negotiable? Yeah. If sure. I have a product that's taken off and I started with a thousand and a year from now I'm ordering a hundred thousand, uh, that's, that's negotiable. I'm sure. Yeah, it is to start with what we're doing is having a first order and then it comes down to about half that for the, for the subsequent orders. And then after that, cause obviously, you know, I think one of the, one of the things we're, we're, very aware of is is the same thing that happens on Ali is once you build relationship with a factory or a manufacturer you just go you just cut Ali out of it right um, yeah. that's a lot of cases you know and so one of the things we want to do is is to provide enough service level that people want to stay on the platform so you know um, yes you can decide to go and figure it all out by yourself and save yourself twenty percent or you can go through us and let us help you do a lot of the heavy lifting. And focus on just doing the selling on and, and the e-com side of it, you know. So it's a. It's so you a don't have agreements with the manufacturers that if they sidestep you, that they're out of the program or anything. And so it, you could, if you want to, go around. You don't encourage that because you're going to have some headaches and uh, and stuff. But um, <clears throat> and I'm I'm not saying people should do that because there is a value in what you guys are doing. I mean, providing that service, it's hands off, basically. Uh, it makes it uh, pretty seamless and easy, and it, it's worth worth that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we 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 have that, and we are cultivating even more detail um, plans that will, you know, kind of hold uh, some of the suppliers that we support accountable if they break some of the rules. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we can't stop people from doing what they, you know, want to do in suppliers sometimes at the same time. But we have safeguards in place to, you know, to try to protect the integrity of the platform and the members on it. So, we, you know, we, some of these things, you know, to be straightforward, you know, we're working on it as we go in a sense that we will try something for three months only to recognize that, hold on a second, we need to tweak this a little bit. So we are tinkering as we go. Um, nonetheless, we see, we saw, for instance, as I told you before, within six months of just launching the platform, we grew uh, like 6,000 products, 5,000 products uh, uh, a month um, being uploaded to the platform. Um, and then, you know, we have like, what, 200% um, every month of suppliers just onboarding. So we are actually the first one and now the biggest B2B player here in Indonesia. Um, so w growing that fast, um, you know, we can miss a, t a thing or two, which is why the tinkering is rather important in the sense that we have to look at things and then willing in-house to decide, for instance, myself and Dan, we meet all the time and we're like, okay, this seemed to work last month, 
but it, it's not going to work for the next uh, couple of months coming by. So we are consistently tweaking. The goal is to accommodate our customers, to meet them where they are, and to make sure that over time we build a relationship into the to the point where we are trusted, uh, where you know they find us as a valuable source. And if it means that we have to adjust our rates sometimes, or you know to facilitate you know you know growth, um, then we're you know we are a startup. We're willing to do that. So you're not corporate. You're lean, lean and nimble right now, and you're adapting as, as you go. What, what about the threat of like an Alibaba or someone that's just got unlimited uh, money in their pocket coming in? I mean, they might buy you. Maybe that's what your goal is at some point. But um, what what about them just coming in and going, look, look at these uh, Biomia guys. They're kind of crushing it here. Let's uh, let's wake up and uh, we got money and we got networks. Let's just go in there and take it all from them. It's, a, it's actually a great question because I, I asked Wayne the same question when I uh, started to talk to Wayne about the business because I was a little shocked there wasn't a big B2B player here. I was like, no, come on, that can't be right. you know. So I went out and had a look as well. And um, Ali, both Alibaba and Amazon are invested in Indonesia in uh, uh, big marketplaces here. So we have, we have a bunch of B2C, huge marketplaces that are doing half a billion to a billion US a month turnover like these are huge marketplaces Tokopedia is one Shopee which is out of Singapore Lazada which was originally Philippines you know these guys are all here and Amazon and Ali are making investments in those those are B2B or B2C they're B2Cs they're B2Cs because I always try to TikTok uh, recently you know a few months ago got booted out of uh, because there was a big uproar about all the artisans and saying this is uh, all these social media people are just crushing us. So they banned e-commerce on social media. And then Alibaba is trying to come in and uh, take, you know, make some agreements and see if they can weasel their way in on some of that. But it's a big issue, but isn't it? Yeah, well, the TikTok thing, they basically, um, the, the, the law right now is that uh, the, even all the, the B2C marketplaces here, they're not allowed to sell any products under 100 US dollars per unit that come from outside has to be from Indonesia. So it's actually been okay. really tough for these big guys in this last little while because it's, they've taken a huge hit on their on their revenue because they're just not allowed to sell a lot of stuff that they were selling before. Um, back back to the what, uh, reason why I don't think they some of these bigger players did it. Uh, I think a couple of them actually tried about six to seven years ago from what I can from see from sort of researching into it. But like Wayne mentioned at the start of the call, um, in Indonesia, the... The internet adoption was really low. It was like 50%, 60% just four years ago. Um, and, and the artisans are spread across the massive archipelago we've got here. And so the, to, to actually get these people online, digitize, good listings, good photos, it's a real, to be honest, a real pain. Like it's not easy. It's a heavy lift. And one of the things that, you know, when I, when I spoke to Wayne initially, I was like, man, this is a, this is a massive thing that we're going after here and it's going to be real it's going to be huge in terms of uh, workload, and it has been. Like you know, what we've done to this point to get to get the sellers on there, and now what we're doing is even like um, we've got an ambassador here in Indonesia, and she's tasked with going and uh, building partnerships now with all the manufacturing associations here to help us bulk on board sellers, but then also to provide seller um, education and training and to show them how to work on the platform. You know, we're facilitating their photos. 
we've got AI tools helping to write product descriptions. You know, we've really got to help them get online and get digitized. And I think this is also one of the reasons why I don't think they're going to be too quick to, to want to cut us out. I think we're going to be a really valuable partner for the, for the seller and the buyer. So do you have, you have uh, people on the ground, you know, two or three guys getting on a moped going into a village and like uh, going in uh, to these guys that just got on the internet or still aren't on the internet and saying, Hey, uh, let me show you something here. We can uh, we can make you some extra money. It, it basically, just boots on the ground, just grill and marketing it. Basically, yes. But I must say, I'm on the the the, the moped going around too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a as a as a founder slash CEO man, I think it's absolutely necessary to put boots on the ground. Um, your boots on the ground. So, you know, this stuff is has been building for the last two and a half years before we even deploy it into the market. And it was hitting the pavement, the hot sun, shaking hands. And one thing, you know, to add to what Dan says, building these relationships with these artisans, it's not easy. They have to be able to trust you, bring you into their communities. You have to stop by there sometimes and have coffee with them, sometimes speaking with the bigger guys for hours at a time but they know and they have your back and then they spread the word so they become your ambassadors over time and i think sometimes that's what a lot of the big boys miss okay you can throw a lot of money in it doesn't mean that they're going to you know immediately be comfortable with you and doing business with you but what we've done is we build from the ground up we nurtured those relationships even when covid was going on and you know they couldn't sell theirs their stuff. Biome was actually born during that period of time, only to find find that you know what them telling us we don't have that access. We sell on WhatsApp community, Facebook community, Instagram. You know we want a true B two B marketplace that represent us. Um, if you look at the site, also we have videos up showing how we go to these facilities. We take videos of how they make the products. We display like meet the makers. We we do you know some of those stuff just to show our appreciation to the community, um, you know, of partners that we have, and you know we ask them to be our liaison on the ground. So you know, yes, of course the big guys can come in whether they buy us out or not. I want to just make something clear right now while I look you guys in the eyes and, and people are listening. And Dan already knows where I'm going with this. We are coming and our intention is to be one of the biggest, not just in Asia, but across the globe. We know our niche. We are studying the big guys. Every font changes that you make on your site, we know. You have the data. We don't. But we we are following what you are doing, and we are lockstep, and our intention is to do that. So I, I don't know how else to, to to put it, man. We're coming, and we're not slowing down at all. So this was your baby originally, Dan. As he said earlier, he came on after you guys met and saw what you were doing. Dan has, from what you've said, um, maybe I'm, I'm missing something, but he he seems to have had the e-commerce experience, the sourcing, the the all that. And you had a little bit traditional, a different path, uh, Wayne. So how did this idea of, how did you come about this? What, what, what during COVID were you just sitting around going, God damn it, I'm just going to start me a little uh, sourcing concierge company here and just, uh, I'm going to go pound the payment on my moped and talk to all these, uh, these villagers. 
No, 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 no. I, I, I not, not, not even close. I mean, <laughs> I knew I was just making something up there, but <laughs> yeah, no, not, not even close. I mean, I was literally enjoying a little bit of the ballet life. You know, uh, at one point I was so bored. I decided, okay, I'm going to start vlogging. So I put a team together and that's how we found, you know, out about this issue. We were just going around, you know, talking to suppliers, interviewing them, kind of like the, the late Anthony Bourdain would do, you know, hitting up the suppliers, kind of like Discovery Channel meet the Travel Channel when it comes to products and suppliers. And man, okay. we started getting a lot of hits on that. But one young lady, she said to me, well, what happened to us now when you leave with your cameras and your crew? Um, you know, we're still selling our products, you know, on WhatsApp and, and all this. And I said, nonchalantly, uh, you know, and innocently being innocently naive, I just simply said, yeah, just put it on some site, a B2B site, and you can still sell. And she said, we don't have one. Um, and I thought, no, 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 that can't be the case. And on the way back, it was about two hours back to my house. Um, I was sitting in the back and I was just kind of Googling stuff. And I realized that, hold on a second, a big country like this, almost 300 million people do not have a B2B infrastructure or technology where Indonesia can put out their products. And they didn't. And after doing about two and a half months of due diligence, hitting up all the logistic guys, talking to them, you know, I found out that, wait a minute, this stuff is warranted because there's still stuff going out of Indonesia. But what's happening is they have sourcing agents and agencies on the ground. And when international people will just, you know, kind of uh, talk with them and they will do it for them. But there was not a platform that they could actually just look, see what they want. And it takes care of them, you know, from start to finish. And that's where Biomia was born, man. And Dan just came in, um, you know, about four months ago. And he has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to commerce. I mean, he built his brand, you know, massively, know about sourcing from Alibaba, know about making the products, know about selling it on Amazon. So he's at both ends, right? And for me, yes, of course, you know, I know a lot about the tech and all that, but to have someone like that, and he's a machine. I mean, you see him there, he's a machine. So he brings some structure. He's bring, he brings some intelligence when it comes to commerce in our vertical. And man, we're like a family. Batman and Robin is what we call each other. It's kind of weird sometimes when we text each other, good morning, Robin, good morning, Batman. But man, it works and the team loves it. And we're just here to crush it, point blank, period. Now you're not just doing B2B, aren't you doing an app or something, Bomzi or something like that? That's also like a D2C? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we also like the Indonesian market, like where like locals can buy from artisans uh, directly. Is is do I have that yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our core focus right now is B two B because we, there's a couple of things that we have to button up. But the the goal is to also build Bumsi, which is um, a higher end uh, on the market for for Indonesians to shop all stores and boutiques here in Indonesia. And the reason why we're focusing on the stores right now is because they have especially individual sellers they have a problem with inventory management and inventory control and also when it comes to quality a lot of these boutique stores across indonesia are set with you know then they, they have 
um, inventory. They know how to police, you know, good quality and stuff like that. And they're, they're doing good business, but never before have a, a marketplace kind of just curate all of them and have it in such a way that you can purchase anything from any store um, in Indonesia. So our intention is to build that out also and then, um, you know, have uh, that ecosystem readily available um you know here in indonesia so there's big things going on in indonesia and there's uh you know you have two guys here that's you know we we, we know the market quite well as i said there's 15 years combined here on the ground you know both of us and you know we, we're no scrub we 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 we, we, we know our stuff and, and you know we're not we're not uh, we have a little chip on our shoulder but we're humble guys and we mean well and not only that we're we're solving a big problem here man because some of these guys they come into indonesia and they exploit you know, the labor force here you know i i hate to say it but you know um you know some of these guys they work for peanuts and they and that's because they did not have another way and we're giving them an alternative Put your products, get it, get international exposure, communicate with the buyers, and then you know you negotiate, and you get um, you know proper monies for your day's work. So it's a labor of love, man. A problem I wasn't looking for, but it found me, and here we are. What are the lead times typically? Is it you know China's typically about three to six weeks? Uh, what are lead times for? A lot of your, I know there's variables that determine that. Well, what's a good just ballpark uh, lead time? I would say you're probably more six to eight weeks here, um, mostly because of the handmade nature of a lot of things, or um, just what the what the capacity of these factories factories can do. Um, so to give you one example, when we were at that last trade show, um, I met one supplier that, that looked like a tiny supplier. And uh, they said, "Oh yeah, these three products we just we just supplied to Crate and Barrel." I was like, "Wow, okay, how, what sort of volume?" And it was it was huge volume. And I said, "How long would it take you guys to produce ten thousand units of that wooden teak stool?" And they said, "Oh, about three months." So they can do production at pretty big scale, but yeah, you do need to um, factor that in, obviously, you know. Um, and that's part of what we do in that first step, actually. When you make an inquiry, not only do we tell you um, the price depending on the volume, not only do we tell you the, the shipping estimate, but we'll also tell you the production timeline. And that's one of the things that we really want to work with on, on the seller side to make sure that they do give themselves enough room to do it, as well as enough time for us to do QC checks and then fix anything that goes along the way. So I think at the end of the day, I would say longer than China, um, but no big deal once you know what that is. You know, you just you just manage yourself accordingly. Now you, you kind of touched on it earlier, but what are some of the the products that you should not expect to do in Indonesia and what are some of the products that are very ideal? Just a, just bullet, just rapid fire list of don't think you're going to do these here. It's not the right place for it. And these are the ones you should be looking to do. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I, I, I will say um, when you're trying to do maybe like these animal skins and, and, and those type of products, um, you know, I think, um, that could pose a, a problem. Um, but pretty much, man, I mean, Dan, like no electronics, no, no, no injection molding, that type of stuff is to stay away from for the most part. 
And the specialties are more the sustainable, the raw material, the coconut, the pineapple, the bamboo. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Wood products. There's a lot of amazing wood products here. So teak, teak's huge here. You mentioned mahogany before, Bankerai is another wood. There's, there's three or four woods that are produced in massive quantity and a lot of different products. So woods are great. Like you said, sustainable stuff like um, the bamboo, uh, straws, grasses, rattans, a lot of the fabrics that are used, everything from hemp to linens to, you know, you name it. There's so much of that stuff here. But the sustainability products definitely are a highlight. And that's one of the areas where we're focused on because, you know, we've got, you know, Europe planning to be completely out of plastics and other products within a few years. So, you know, it, and, I, and I think Indonesia, from what I've seen, we do that stuff better than China um, just because of the, the raw materials we have here. And then when it gets into this stuff like, wow, so coffee, massive, massive coffee producer here, I'd say probably bigger than Central America and places that you would already know. It's huge here in Indonesia, like just massive. Um, and anything coconut. So you mentioned coconut charcoal before, like those little shisha briquettes, that, that, that those things. Mm-hmm. We met a guy at the trade show that was shipping something like 50, 40-foot containers a month with these little oh, charcoal bricks, you know, just massive scale. And then the other ones, um, a lot of the spices and things, so clove, ginger, cumin, turmeric, you know, these kind of these kind of spices and stuff get, get shipped out of here in massive scale. So for things like a, for white labeling and stuff like that, those types of things, like if you want to do a coffee brand, yeah, the, there's so much coffee here. It's ridiculous. The, the, the samples and different flavors and, you know, you can go nuts here on coffee. Yeah. Yeah, and I, oh, I you, said, you said clothing, uh, linens, or so. so is, is there a cotton industry there, or is it made out of something different, oh, wow. or is it made out of bamboo and uh, other fabrics? Oh, other huge, huge, huge hit. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the world's number one um, producer of, of fabrics here from cotton, um, batik, you know, um, coconut. Um, bamboo fabric. I'm sorry, you know they're they're all banana leather, uh, pineapple leather, um, you know, just regular leather. It's all here. You know, it's just that a lot of people around the globe have not massively, um, you know, attempted to, um, you know, inquire about it or source through Indonesia. But now I think also with you know issues that's happening right now, you know. Indonesia is now at the forefront of growth, man. I mean, so, you know, for anyone that's out there that's looking for unique items, you know, um, you know, here you got two guys, we, we're willing to work with you. If you're small brands, if you, um, you know, in a business of starting something, you know, you can just reach out to us. And one of the things we, we, we have a massive database of things that even not yet on our uh, marketplace um, that we have access to that we can help you to build your brand. Um, we have data. We know what's working. We know what's not. And then also what I also want to say is that what we do is we use data to help our suppliers to, to acknowledge or see trends and then, you know, work towards those trends, you know, not just develop products that's not going to be in demand, you know, on the world market. So we are two-sided marketplace, but also two-sided marketplace with a purpose. You know, we want to make sure that our buyers are well taken care of, and we want to make sure that the suppliers are, you know, well taken care of in the form of educating them, but also nurturing them when it comes to growing their business. 
Wayne, Dan, I really appreciate uh, you sharing today the opportunities in Indonesia. This is uh, this has been great. We could probably keep talking for quite some time here. But uh, I think everybody listening out there, if you haven't explored Indonesia, I think it's worth uh, a gander and worth a, taking taking uh, a few minutes and having someone on your team or doing it yourself and taking a look at what you might be able to do in Indonesia, not only from a cost savings point of view on the on the tariffs, uh, but for someone that and you don't got to go into a blind. I mean, the guys here at Biomia can can hold your hand along the way, make sure everything goes smoothly. Uh, any bumps in the road, they'll take care of them. You don't got to be stressing out and worrying. Uh, and uh, there's, I think, a lot of cool differentiated products that you can be first to market with that nobody else has that they're not going to be able to find somewhere else. I mean, you go in, like you just mentioned, Dan mentioned a crate and barrel. You go into crate and barrel, just think about that. If you've been in a crate and barrel, how unique everything in there is. Uh, and you don't see most of that stuff. You might see in, uh, uh, what's that store, Elm, um, uh, a few things, maybe Elm. There's a couple other places, but the vast majority of that stuff um, you don't see there. And I've, I buy at crate and barrel. Uh, I got some crate and barrel stuff in my house, and it's really good quality. Uh, and so I think, you know, from from an aspect of uniqueness, return, quality issues, like you said, they, they do almost every QC, almost every single piece, if not every single piece. Uh, I think uh, you'd almost be uh, ignoring the opportunity if you don't give Biomia uh, a chance and actually take a look and just see, dabble and just see if there might be something there that uh, works for it. So it's it's Biomia, B-U-Y-A-M-I-A.com. Uh, if they if they go to the white website, uh, are they going to get uh, um, somebody else, or how do they? If they want, like you, you just offered up Wayne that uh, you, you'll you'd be glad to jump in and uh, here in the beginning while you're growing everything uh, helps help 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 some people out. How would they actually reach out directly to each of you? Dan at Biomia, right? Dan, I think. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Daniel at Biomia, and it's just Wayne at Biomia, and I, I I think you know you get us Biomia.com. Yeah, yeah. buymeat.com. Yeah, we, 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 we're here to help, man. And, and I mean, you know, even being at the C, CEO, CEO and COO level, we, 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 we don't make ourselves unavailable. We are available mm -hmm. for yeah. the person that want to purchase $5,000 or the stuff to $500,000 plus more. You know, we, we're, we're just that kind of guys. So, yeah. yeah. What about, I've got a guy that wants to purchase $100 million. You, you good for him too? We, we love yeah, we love that guy. We also love the guy who wants to invest <laughs> in Indonesia. We're also fundraising, so we're we're on we're also on LinkedIn. So you know, one of the things that we've we've been doing is growing by partnerships, right? So we've got partnerships with some of the other uh, the big B two B, sorry B two C marketplaces here for helping things like labeling, shipping, logistics, stuff like that. So we're building by partnerships. Um, so if anyone's out here listening to this that uh, feels like they could add value. We'd love to hear from them. You can get us on, on those Gmails or, um, or via email or, or just look us up on LinkedIn. So if you just, I guess you're putting our names at the bottom of this, uh, this, this uh, podcast somewhere, um, we're, all, we're both on LinkedIn. We'd be happy to hear from anyone who's interested in partnership, investment. We're open here. We're, we're, we're just keen to build this thing huge. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been great chatting today, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll uh, chat again soon. Great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate you, buddy. Take care, yeah? And, and I'll see you in Bali soon, right? That's right. That's right. I, I got to get back over there. As you can see by this episode, Indonesia should be on your radar for sure. 
reach out to the guys at Viamia if you want a helping hand in getting that started or just to explore and just to see if there is actual opportunity for your business or for your product line in Indonesia. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the Billion Dollar Sellers newsletter, go to BillionDollarSellers.com. Brand new issue comes out like clockwork at noon Eastern time every Monday and Thursday. Uh, it's totally free. And if you missed the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, there's an in-person one coming up in May in Hawaii. We'll be back again next week with another incredible episode with another awesome guest. But before we go, got to leave you with some words of wisdom. You know, you don't need to outsmart others to outperform them if you can outposition them. You don't need to outsmart others to outperform them if you can outposition them. See you again next week.